Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm Tim, and it's good to have you with us. We're in a series of lessons. I've entitled it, It's For You. That's based on a phrase that we say whenever the phone rings, and honey, it's for you, or hey, it's for you, It's or at the office. Hey, listen, to somebody, there's a salesman, it's for you. That's my favorite thing to do at work, listen to salespeople trying to sell me stuff I don't want. But that's what happens. You know, we get these phone calls, and sometimes you'll get a phone call. The other day, i got to admit, my wife's in the crowd, i got to be careful. I saw her name and I let it go to voicemail because I really just got off the phone with somebody and I was in the middle of a thought. I really was. I was in the middle of a thought and I had to get it down on paper before I'd forget about it. And I did call her right back. But uh, that happens, doesn't it? You'll see your phone and you'll notice, so who is that calling? And if it's that Collinsville number I keep referring to during this series, y'all getting them? What's the deal about Collinsville? What's this? we got we got to chase these people down. That's what we need to do. And just find out who they are and, and uh, give them a piece of our mind. But I'll get those and I'll let them go to voicemail. Uh, this past week, I got a call. It was it said unknown caller, but it didn't say Collinsville. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer it. I was in the middle of reading uh, and, and researching for today's lesson. And then, for some reason, it was a part of me that said, answer that phone. So I answered the phone call. And it was a person, a representative from a place called Replacements Incorporated. It's a website that specializes in finding rare china and uh, dinnerware and things. And and I'd been I've been looking for a lid for my mother's tureen uh, that belonged to my great grandmother. I broke the lid when I was ten, and she cried for hours. And then she gives it to me. And I'm thinking, why do you give this to me? Every time I wake up in the morning, I go, oh, good, it's a wonderful morning. I look over and I go, oh. Thinking about how I tried to glue it, you know, a 10-year-old trying to glue all the parts back together. Uh, this was made in Germany. It's a Wormer, uh little terrine lid. And, and I put it together and brought it to her, and she just started crying more. And I just So I've been looking for this lid for about 50 years, and I finally found it this week. I'm glad I answered the phone. Instead of letting it go to voicemail. My mother doesn't know anything about this. And I don't know if she listens to me anymore. In fact, I don't know if she's ever listened to me. But, um, but I'm gonna, and someone says, you're gonna give it to her on Mother's Day, aren't you? I said, heck no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here you go, mom, cry, cry. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I thought, no, I'm keeping it. Now I'm gonna send a picture to her. Look what I found. Because I'm afraid if I give it to her, she'll say, but this isn't the right lid. And bust it in front of me. And so, I'm sorry, I got off track there. But we get these phone calls and we don't know what to do with them. Well, what happens if you get a real important call? And let's say it's a call from God because God is always calling us. If, I've, if there's anything I'm learning in this series is God has been calling us. The Bible talks about how we're called out of darkness into His wonderful light. The Bible talks about in Acts something about God says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children. And as far as the Lord your God will call. So God is always calling. He's calling us. And I think last week we looked at this idea of calling to belong, how we all belong. God calls us to belong to a family. Today I want to talk about um, this call to become. 
And it comes from this passage we're going to be coming back to over and over again. It's in, found in Romans 8. We tend to pay attention to one particular part of it, but let's read it together. you got it in your notes here and up on the screen. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people. This is the part I think is interesting. The next verse. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know, I read this passage a lot, and I quote this passage a lot to someone who's got a lot of things going on, or I remember this passage when I'm going through some tough stuff and tough times, and I think, well, God works together for good. Everything that happens. Notice it doesn't say everything that happens to you is good. Uh, Who would say that? You'd be crazy to say that. A lot of things happen to us are bad, but it's God that takes everything the good, the bad, and the ugly, and does something with it. It's for our good. Well, I didn't realize the next verse tells us what that good is. What is the good he's referring to? He's referring to making us like Christ, ultimately becoming like Jesus Christ. That's what all the things that happen, that's what he's working, and that's his goal. Now, he's not wanting to make me a god, he's not wanting to make you a god like Jesus, but all the godly traits, the godly character, that's what he's interested in. And so today, that's what I want to talk about, this call to become. What's God call us to become? Or how how do I, in some way, become what God calls me to be? Now, if you've, if you've got your Bibles, you may uh, I know that since we're a PowerPoint, we went PowerPoint, it seems like the Bibles get less and less in this, uh, in this room. But um, in Hebrews 12, there's a passage here that I want us to look at this morning. And the reason I want us to look at it is because in Hebrews 12, we see this call to become. And it's, and it's, and it's illustrated in the, in the idea of a race. You read the scriptures, you find several places in the Bible compares this journey we're on as we're following Christ, as we're becoming like Christ to a race. And if any of you have been in track, and I know we got some guys here that are running in track right now, doing really well too, uh, and, and some ladies as well, you're competing. Uh, and some of us used to remember those days, but we just carry too much weight nowadays to, to be able to keep up. Am I right? Yeah. Um, so we understand what a race is all about. Well, look, at, let's, I'm going to read uh, Hebrews 12 a little bit with you that describes this race. Uh, the ladies retreat used this in one of the lessons as well. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful people and sinful men, so you would not, you won't grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted the point of shedding blood, and you've forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when you, He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. The Bible says in verse 12, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather 
healed. We see these scriptures, there's passages like in, in uh, 1 Corinthians that talks about, don't you know that all runners run in a race, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. We see Paul talking about sometimes he says things like, I hope I haven't run my race in vain with the Galatians. So this idea of running this race is, is a constant thought in Scripture. And so based on that, I want us to look at how do I become what God calls me to be? Well, let me give you seven, seven things to think about here. Seven steps you can take. One is, the first step I can take is I simplify my life. I streamline some things. Hebrews 12 again in the Living Bible. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. See, if I intend to travel far, I'm learning something about about maturity, about becoming like Christ. It is not automatic. It doesn't happen instantly. Am I right? It's a process. We say that around here. I'm learning it's a marathon. It is a marathon of life. It takes all of life. And I, I don't believe at the end of our lives we fully where we ought to be. I think there's still more to do. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But if I want to, if I intend to travel far, I've got to learn to travel light. I've got to learn to travel light. You know, great long distance runners know this. They're obsessed with weight. They're looking at how much their shoes weigh, their, uh, or their socks, or or their clothing. Why? Because what feels like like it's a feather on their body at, at the time when a gun goes off can feel like carrying concrete blocks in the middle of the race, let alone the end. And so they're always looking for an edge. Some will run barefoot to give them that edge. And to become like Jesus, you've got to get serious about the things that slow your progress down, that'll slow you down, that'll hinder you, that'll hold you back. You've got to look at, again, as I've gotten older, you know, when we first got married, Denise and I, you know, you saw that picture, and um, and she was the spy God sent in our family. I wasn't a spy. Um, she was the spy. Thank God. And I, I just remember, when we first got married, we got all these glasses and towels and bed sheets and stuff, you know. We didn't have anything. Uh, when we first got married, lived in a little uh, mobile home with a black and white TV I bought for 10 bucks from a buddy at work. Everything was borrowed. Everything was borrowed just about, you know, we didn't have much. And now here I am at 61, and I got so much stuff I can't even take care of it. I'm learning something as we get older, folks. We accumulate more, and more of it takes more of our time to maintain. And you have to, I, I, and as I get, I've gotten older, and I've, this is something Chris Weiler was introduced this thought to me, and I realized in my life, as we get older, it's not the money that we're so concerned about as much as the time. Am I right? I've got a riding lawnmower, a tractor, two push mowers, a tiller, two tillers, three tillers. And how do I keep them all running? I can't because I don't have the time to maintain them. And so this accumulation of things, if, if I'm not careful, I can get so deep into my work, so deep into my things, so deep into everything else, it just sucks the time and it wastes a lot of time and I don't have any time to run a race. I don't have any time to invest in becoming like Christ. And so I, I've got to simplify my life. Sometimes it's good to, 
to just walk in and go, I'm doing some spring cleaning. I'm clearing some stuff out. I walked into my shed. I do this all the time. What needs to go? Everything needs to stay. I'm a pack rat. It needs to go. I finally got rid of our pop-up camper. I had all this space, and within just a matter of weeks, it's now full of stuff again. Where did this stuff come from? From me. And sometimes, you know, this, these things will get in our way and slow us down. There's lots of, you gotta look at what, what are the things that are wasting your time? The hobbies, the habits, these kind of things, the responsibilities, even relationships. Sometimes you've gotta cut some relationships loose because they, they get in the way. Maybe it's a vice or an attitude that you have. I was talking with somebody this week and I was talking about some things and, and, um, What's holding him back? And he goes, I'm a stubborn man. What an honest answer. I'm a stubborn man. Stubbornness and pride and fear, you know, and greed and doubts, all these things play a part in hindering us. And if I want to become like Christ, I've got to learn to strip them off and cut them away, trim them off like a long distance runner. I'll not become like Christ with all this stuff in my life on a constant basis. Number two, I take every step with purpose. If I want to, if I want to become like Christ, I've got to cut some stuff away, but then I've got to start taking the steps. I've got to start moving. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And look what he says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing here. What's he saying? He says, I'm not going to waste any more time. With the time I have left, I'm going to be real shrewd and a good steward of it and manage it better. I'm not going to just swing at stuff. I intend to hit the target. I intend to get somewhere with this journey, this race. I have a goal I'm reaching for. So every step I have along the way matters because I want it to take me closer to this goal. So I'm even looking at the daily habits and the daily steps I take. You see, he says all athletes are disciplined or training. I think the NIV says they're strict. They go into strict training. And it's true. You uh, talk with these gymnasts, you talk with these athletes, and you find out that they didn't have time for anything else. They practiced, they worked, they dedicated. So they didn't have a life that we would say, oh, look at the sacrifice they made. Yeah, but look what they can do. And when it comes to becoming like Christ, it takes a serious approach You see, listen to this. They can have coaches all around them, but the coaches are not the ones that are doing the work. It's got to be the athlete. Am I right? You know, the coach can say, do this. I remember we had a coach one time, a cross-country coach. He'd say, come on, guys, run. And we're running a little bit. Come on, guys, let's go. You're getting behind. And one of our guys said, oh, shut up. And here he come. Who said that? Boy, we were moving then, man. You know, coaches, well, we don't, we, coaches are not, they're always, you know, not always, but a lot, you've ever a lot of the coaches are, you know, like this don't look like they could play right now. They used to play. But see, I can have coaches all around me. And it doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily get anywhere. It comes down to what am I going to do? I got to go into strict training. I've got to start taking those steps. If I want to become like Christ, 
I have to remember there's a finish line for the race marked out for me like the race marked out for you. You don't run my race. I don't run yours. But we both run God's race. And it demands some discipline. It demands something in the gut that says, I'm going to do this until I'm done. This morning, I was putting finishing touches on this sermon. I was working on this particular point, and and my office door was open. I could see out the front door of my shop there on Godfrey Road. And I saw these two guys. They had yellow vests on, real bright yellow vests on. And one of them was pulling a cart with a some stuff piled on the back. And this guy takes a turn and starts going toward Jerseyville. And the other fellow goes to Casey's. And I'm like, what's this? I know we have bicycle races and stuff, but is this is it today? Are they getting set up for this or what? So I go out there and I'm looking for the guy. And he's walking from Casey's over to the fellow that's already walking up the road there toward Jerseyville. And I go, hey, what's going on here? He goes, he walks over and goes, well, my brother and I, we're walking across America. I go, oh, that's nice. He goes, yeah, we left Naples, Florida, and we're going to Seattle. You mean Seattle, Seattle? Yeah, Seattle. Holy cow! And you can see us on Facebook. I got to go, that's my brother. And off he goes. What do I do? Google. Guy's running. He said, he told me, he goes, we're running for my dad. For your dad, yeah. It's DAD, it's our dad, it stands for Veterans with Dementia, Alzheimer's, and Depression. And I'm thinking, does he want money from me? He doesn't ask me for a dime, folks. Because I got to go. I got to catch up with my brother. So he catches up, and I'm going in. I Google vet brothers running for their dad to see. And I see the Florida broadcast on Fox on January 30th when they leave. And it says, yeah, these two guys are running, and they're interviewing them. And he goes, these guys are running for their dad. And um, he hadn't died yet. Uh, It was just uh, they were running. They said, Dad, you know, we're going to walk across America. Uh, in your honor, and he, and he goes, You're, you can't do that. And, and <laughs> one of the brothers said, Well, since Dad said we couldn't do it, we had to now, <laughs> just to prove him wrong, you know. And these two guys happen to be army veterans. Their dad's a veteran, and they're and they're working their way up. I found two broadcasts on the internet, the whole internet, Florida and Alabama covered it. The last the last time they were covered was in Alabama. Here they are in Godfrey, Illinois. And so I go on Facebook, and I'm not very good at Facebook. I'm not a Facebook guy. I I forgot my forgot my password. When when Facebook says you haven't been on Facebook for so long, you need to really check your Facebook. And I do. It took me 30 minutes to finally get on there, and I find these guys, and they yeah they're they're running, uh, and they're not asking for a dime. They're paying for it all themselves. And if you do give them money, it goes straight to veterans with dementia and Alzheimer's and depression. And one of the things that uh, I thought was interesting was that about this article, it says, yeah, we are carrying our dad's ashes with us. He's going to Seattle with us. So whenever we are running and we start getting weary, we just remember why we're doing this. 
And the one brother says to the other, they were interviewing, he says, yeah, sometimes my brother gets tired and goes, I'm tired, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'll give him a little nudge and we'll keep going. And then sometimes I'll get tired and on on. And my brother will give me a nudge. And we just kind of, that's what we've been doing, kind of just one step at a time, moving along. I don't know. I, I, all I know is this, folks. I will not become like Christ sitting on my hands. You will not become like Jesus Christ or answer His call sitting on your hands. And you, listen, you will not become like Christ listening to another coach give you more information. Is it good to get information? Good to go to classes? It sure is. Good to go to small group? Absolutely. We're going to make a point here in a minute. Absolutely. I want to tell you that becoming like Christ involves more than getting in circles and praying on Sundays. There was a time when God told a prophet, get off your face and stop praying. Why? Because you've got to do something. You've got to go, you got to go from from talking to the talking to dad and thinking about it to going, well, are we going to do this? Well, let's get started. So January 30th, they, they go on a 3,000-mile walk. They're out of shape. And one of the things that, that the guy told me was, you know, actually, we're feeling pretty good. We feel like the floor, farther we walk, the healthier we're getting. Is that something? And I thought that, and I got to meet one of them. I thought it was, so, so I put on her Facebook, I think I got, I think I posted it, I hope. <laughs> I met you guys in Godfrey, Illinois, and God bless you, keep it going. See, what, there's something, see, I've got to understand, to answer God's call to become, I've got, I've got to, I've got to be disciplined myself. And that's going to look different for all of us. What's discipline for you may, may be all easy for me or the other way around. But we, you and I, we, if we're going to become like Christ, we've got to get discipline, strict training, get serious. See, there's going to be moments, just like Jesus, when He was walking to Golgotha, He stopped and stumbled. There's going to be times when you're trying to become like Christ, you're going to want to stop or you stumble. And what do you do? Well, that discipline says, I've got to get back up. I've got to be intentional. I've got to push myself sometimes in every step I take. And maybe I need to remember, and maybe it's not the ashes of your dad, but like Paul said to the Corinthian church, we always carry around in us the death of Christ. That you carry Jesus with you to make you take another one. Another one. The Bible says uh, this in Hebrews 12. You know, there's going to be moments you're going to want to quit. And in this Hebrews 12, talking about this race, the Hebrew writer encourages the Christians here, lift up your tired hands then and strengthen your trembling knees. Keep walking on the straight paths. Circle that. Keep walking on straight paths so that the lame foot may not be disabled but instead be healed. What's he talking about here? There's two ways to interpret this passage. He's talking to a church and he's saying, you stay on the same path, stay on the straight path because there's weak and tired members in your church and you'll help them. You'll help them. You'll help them find healing. It also can be interpreted in a personal way. As you and I run this race, and I've been in some races where I am tired. I am weary. 
And there's times when my knees, my legs are so, they feel like rubber. They just feel like rubber. I want to, I want to quit. I want to stop. I want to get off the path. I want to try something else. And he says, no, you keep walking on this straight path. You stay on this thing because that lame foot that you have, that imperfection you have, that limp that you might have in your life will someday be healed if you stay with it. How do I do that? Every step, I, every step's important. And I make that step with purpose. I make that step with God in mind. I make that step with a goal in mind that says, you know what, I'm one step closer to becoming like Christ. What's the step you need to take this morning to become more like Jesus? What's that step He's encouraging you to do? I want to encourage you, take it. Answer the call to become, because it's for you. Number three, I must pace myself. If I'm going to become like Christ, I need to pace myself. You know, I am an old man now, and I'm still learning to pace myself. I am in a hurry. Are you in a hurry? I was going through McDonald's just a couple of days ago, and, I'm, and they got this new donut strips. They're to die for. I get a senior coffee, because I qualify, and donut strips, and I mean, it's cheap and it's good. And I'm getting this, you know, and I'm going through the drive-thru, and all of a sudden, here's some lady in the back going, it's not your turn! It's not your turn! I'm like, Why? what did I do wrong? Well, she wasn't yelling at me, she was yelling at the car that was behind me. And it was another old lady that could barely see over the dash, and she'd gotten somehow in front. And I'm thinking, why are you yelling at this woman? You're going to get your stuff in probably three to five minutes. We're in a hurry, aren't we? Such a hurry. Look at the Bible says here, when you're running this race, he says, he says, we must run the race that lies in front of us, and we must run it patiently. We're so preoccupied with speed. This week, I learned about 2G and 5G, and what LTE stands for. Long-term evolution. LTE on your phone stands for long-term evolution. What's it talking about? Well, back in the day, back in my day, we had no fancy smartphone. We were dumb and we liked it. My phone, only thing I could do was answer it. Hello? How are you? Goodbye. And that was it. That was analog. And then 2G came out. And all the things you could do now. I could text. I could send a picture of myself. Okay. (laughs) I can do all kinds of things. And now it's 5G. And I listen to a salesman tell me, well, they're talking about 9G. What? (laughs) This is amazing to me. (laughs) I have 2G and 5G in my office. I have two modems. I have five computers, five printing, wireless printing things, you know. Uh, I have five wireless phones now. And they're all working slow. And I can't figure out why. My, my smartphone works great. It's on 5G. I find out everything in my office is on 2G. I was led to believe some of them were on 5. Now, some, I've lost some of you in this illustration. I know it. I can see it in your face. <laughs> I was upset. Because 2G, you get something in 3 minutes. And 5G, it's a half a second. I want that half second. I want it fast. We all want it stuff fast. 
I'm still learning about this G thing. I'll tell you something I'm learning about God. He is not in a hurry. I always thought, well, everything else is fast. God must be in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. The Bible says He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish. It talks about the long-suffering of God. Isaiah has an image of a, a mother, um, sheep that's pregnant, that can barely move. And it says He gently leads those with young. Patient. God is not in a hurry. See, He's not concerned about how fast you grow, but how strong you grow. Big difference. I've got willow trees and oak trees in my backyard. Willow trees, you just stick them in the ground, and man, they grow fast, sometimes three feet a year. I stuck some in the ground an inch in diameter one time. Now they're two feet in diameter. At the same time, I planted some oak trees that were as big as my pinky, and they're about six inches in diameter right now. Same amount of time. Oh, I bet you love those willow trees. Hate them. Why? When a storm hits, they snap off. It's like a stick factory on steroids. It's coming down, and those oaks, not even a leaf comes off of them. They're stronger. God isn't interested in making you some willow tree. He wants you to be a strong oak tree. And He's going to... It takes a lifetime to do this, folks. And if you're getting in a hurry, you're going to miss a bunch. It's a long process. There are no shortcuts to maturity. And if I want to be like Christ, I can't get in a hurry. Look at this in James 1. It says, So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Anybody need to hear that today? Let it do its work. Why? Well, so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. The race of maturity is a marathon. You've got to pace yourself if you want to become like Christ. What's number four? I focus on Jesus daily. I learned to focus on Jesus daily. We were praying in our prayer group, and uh, Jim, he said, Oh, Lord, help us keep our eyes on you, because there's so much junk going on. Isn't that true? There is so much junk going on. Taking our mind off of what really matters. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm afraid that if, if I go to heaven, or when I go to heaven, I'm afraid if, if God has a pop quiz, and He says, okay, we got two pop quizzes, one on politics and one on your life's purpose, Tim, I'm afraid I might do better on the politics one. So caught up in that. I, I mean, I thought about this. I had a question I asked myself. How much did I... I was trying to remember how much I focused on Jesus when I was a baby Christian. Remember that? Remember those days? And how much do I focus now? And has it changed? And how much has it changed? Because it says here in Hebrews to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Notice he says, we're in this race together. He started it and finished it. So you ought to keep your eyes on on Him. A lot of times in a race, I don't know where we're going. But I'll tell you what, all i got to do is look at the guy in front of me and he'll show me. Especially if he's leading the race or he's ran the race before. 
He says here, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how He did it. Because He never lost sight of where He was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. See, starting a race is easy. It's down the road where it starts to get tough. I was reading about the Boston Marathon yesterday. In 2018, they had 2,500 runners drop out of the Boston Marathon. And over 50 of them were elite runners that shouldn't have happened. They were having hypothermia issues. People were collapsing and they were bringing them in by the hundreds and thousands to these emergency care places. They were overrun by them. How do I stay on course? How do I become like Christ? One of the things i got to do besides cutting some stuff loose and getting serious and things of that nature, I've, I've got to learn to keep my eyes on why I'm running. I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus Christ because He is at the start and at the finish of my faith. Why should I focus on Him every day? Well, let me give you three quick things to think about. One, I become what I think about. We learned that in the last series, didn't we? It's all in your head. You and I become what we think about the most. That's our main focus. Whatever we focus on, think about. And I need to focus on Jesus every day because when I'm trying to become like Jesus, I'm going to go through everything He went through, the good and the bad. So I'm going to need Him when it's tough. And He shows me how to finish strong. How do I focus on Jesus every day is a good question. And you all probably got different ways. I simply just find me a special place and open up my Bible and I read. And I'm quiet. And I try to listen to what God has to say. I don't turn the radio on. You know, the worst thing in the world sometimes is that cell phone. If it's the first thing you grab for in the morning, I want to catch up on the news. Like something happened eight hours ago or within the eight hours you were asleep when I should just grab my Bible because it tells me what's going to happen for eternity. I don't know what you do, but I'll tell you, you need to make sure you're spending some time in the Word of God. You focus on Jesus every day. Maybe you have to focus on Him a lot during the day. I have to. I have to talk with Him just about every other hour of my day. Because if I get Him out of focus, I get off track. You know, Moses is probably one of the guys that you read about that spent more time with God. In fact, he spent 40 days, I think, up in the mountains with the Lord. Remember when he come down out of the mountain, his face was glowing, and they put a veil over his face. why they do that? It was fading. They didn't want the people to be discouraged by it. Every time he'd go in and see God, he'd come out, he'd be real bright, but they'd put this veil over it because it was, it's kind of like those glow-in-the-dark toys. You know, you put them under there, under the lamp, and then you turn off the light, and it stays real bright, but then you see it starting to fade. Oh, we got to do something about that. Look what the Bible says about you and I. As Christians, it says this, and our faces are not covered. We all show God's glory. And we are being changed to be like Him. This change in us brings more and more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Where does this, where does this character, this glory of God come from that you and I possess? It comes from the Lord. That's why I should focus on the Lord. It comes from spending time with the Lord. It comes from listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you through His Word into your heart. 
So it's, it's something I focus on Jesus every day. Number five, I form a team to run with me. If I want to become like Christ, I need a team of people to help me. An old African proverb goes like this, to run fast, run alone. To run far, run with others. You probably heard about the, the Badwater Ultramarathon in Death Valley. There's a documentary called uh, Running um, in the Sun or Walking on the Sun. And there's all these guys that run. They're running 135 miles. And I've learned that they start like almost 300 feet below sea level. And it goes up to this mountain. It's 13,000 feet uphill, this race is. It's all uphill. And by the way, it's in July when the temperature reaches 135. Can you imagine? Or 130 degrees. 135 mile race, 130 degrees. And... I'm dumb enough to try to do that. Why do you do it? I watched this documentary and I noticed something with all these people. They all had a crew of people around them. There was a pace car, some people with med- you know, medical attention. They were all ready to help them at any given notice. They would stop and help their friend. It took years, by the way, many, many years before somebody actually ran by themselves with no help from anybody. And what did he prove? It's really, really hard to do that that you don't want to do that alone. You actually need a crew. And if you're running this marathon to maturity church, listen, if you want to become like Christ, you've got to have a team of people around you. Not a big team, but you need some people around you that can help you. Hebrews 10, look what it says here. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and, and do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing. But you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. What's the day? I had one guy say to me, oh, it's talking about Sunday. It's not talking about Sunday. Come on. What's it talking about? The day. What day is that? The day Jesus comes back? Yeah. And what happens when Jesus comes back? You and I become fully like Him. And so what do we do in the meantime? I place myself around a team of people. I get a team of people around me. doesn't have to be a lot of people. Just a few. But I have people around me to help me. Now some of you know from experience, like I know from experience, when you get away from others, it's harder. Am I right? So I don't, I don't have to talk, I don't have to beat up this point much. You see how important it is to have a team. A team of people. First Thessalonians says this in, in chapter 2. You know that we treated each of you just as parents treat their own children. We encouraged you and comforted you, and we kept urging you to live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in His own kingdom and glory. I need others to nudge me. Listen, not shove me. I need nudging, not shoving. I don't handle shoving. Anybody else handle shoving well? I don't. You shove me, guess what I'm going to do? Shove right back. That's the way we are. But nudging, encouraging, building each other up, believing in each other, that makes a big, big difference. And that kind of leads me into this sixth one that I need to remember, okay? Not only the, the, to form a team around me, and I need a team, and I want to encourage you, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready to try to get some more small groups started. And I'd like for you to, I want to encourage you to get in a small group. You need to be. I, I've been in a small group ever since I come out of the water. And uh, I think that's a big reason why I'm still here. 
Because I had people that would, yes, they would nudge me and they would sometimes encourage me and sometimes they'd correct me and they helped me grow. But there's another thing I need to realize, and that is this. I need to realize who is cheering me on. And to me, this is a big one. Because I forget this. I forget this. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. Denise had this in her lesson. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. You know, Gary can talk about his running days in cross country. He was an amazing athlete. I, I wasn't. I went out for cross country and I was just trying to get a letter so I could wear a letter on a letter jacket. I didn't get the letter. I got a plaque that had the letter about this big. And I don't know if you've ever tried to attach a plaque to a jacket. It doesn't work. But I wasn't the best runner. You know, I was in the top ten, but I wasn't. Now, Gary's the, he's the premier runner. You, he can tell you all about it. And I admire these guys that can do that kind of stuff. And, I, and though I wasn't the best runner, I remember my best race. I remember it well. I did the best I ever done. And I long, I thought about that a long time, thinking, why? Because there was someone cheering in the crowd. My, my girlfriend was in the crowd. Denise was in the crowd, and I didn't want to fail her. There's something about when you have somebody cheering you on, you know they're in the crowd. That just encourages you. Well, just imagine for a minute, folks, all of heaven is watching you and I run this race. And they're not sitting down. They're on their feet, cheering us on. Cheering you on. And on top of that, God, God Himself is leading. He's the cheerleader of all. He's leading this cheer from heaven itself. He's cheering you. He wants you to win. Paul talks about this in Philippians 3, because I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should ever yet, uh, should even yet. But I keep working toward that day when I'll finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us to heaven. Paul says, I'm not all there. He admits it. I wonder if we need to admit that. I need to admit that. I'm not all there. Not even close. Got a long way to go. You know, usually I've, I've realized something over the years. I'm the last person to see that I haven't got it figured out. Everybody else sees it. My wife reminds me. Some of you remind me. But for some reason, I'm the last person to finally admit it. Why? Stubborn. Just stubborn. Paul's not stubborn. He says, look, I haven't figured it out. I haven't got it all learned yet. i got a ways to go yet. You know, I'm not all that God wants me to be, but I'm focusing on this. I'm going to do everything I can to become that because I hear something from heaven calling me. 
Something from heaven is saying you can do it. Something from heaven is saying, get up, get up, move, keep moving. Don't stop. You're doing, you're doing just fine. And you say, what, I wonder what that's, what's that like if you've ever had a child in a race and your, your child is in a race and they start the gun off. Nobody has to say to you, cheer them on. Come on, you can do it. Get those legs going. Move it. And, 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 and when do you stop cheering? They fall down. Oh, you clumsy oaf. Is that what you do? Of course not. Get up. Get up. It's okay. Brush yourself off. Move. You can do it. Keep going. Or maybe they're running and they're grimacing. There's pain in their eyes and you know they're hurting. You know, when I was a kid, I ran. My side always hurt and it hurt even in high school. And I remember hearing, you know, my mom, come on, dude, I know your side hurts because for some reason that's your DNA, but you gotta keep going. Fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up. It hurts. This road to maturity, this race to maturity, this marathon is painful. It hurts a lot. But you have a heavenly father that says, Oh, come on, Tim, don't quit. How many times I, I want to quit every Monday morning. I'm the truth. I don't want to do this anymore. And there's something inside me that goes, What are you talking about? Knock it off. It's not my voice. It's a heavenly calling. And maybe, maybe you've gotten sidetracked. Maybe you're down and out and you're just like, I've, I've had it. I'm, I've, I'm just kind of, I'm just out of the race right now. And God's, God hasn't stopped talking and stopped calling you. He hasn't, He hasn't quit and said, Oh, I guess you're just going to sit there. What's a parent do when their child is or playing soccer and they plop down on the ground? Get up! Right? God's saying, Get up. Keep running. Don't stop. You're going to finish. He doesn't stop. Listen, God doesn't stop cheering us until the finish line. So if you think, well, I'll get out of this race because I've thought this out. I'll just get out of this. I'll just quit. God's like, are you kidding? I'll send the hounds after you. I'll bring everybody and their mother and your mother. No, that's not, that's not what this race is about, Tim. It's not about how far you get. It's about finishing it. I mean, where did this idea come from that God stops cheering us or God stops being pleased with or God's unhappy with us and gives up on us when we quit? That's, it doesn't exist. He keeps at it and at it and at it. You get off course and God will chase you down. No, I gotta realize who is cheering me on. I have an audience from heaven. I have brothers and sisters in Christ cheering me on. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. Heaven itself, people who have ran the race and finished the race are cheering you on, believing that you can do it because you can. You can. And God Himself is leading the cheering. And the last thing, if I want to be like Christ, I trust what I fail to complete, God will finish. Whatever I fail to complete, 
God will finish it. Philippians 1.6, Paul said, I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. You know, Paul says, I'm not finished. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not done yet. But God's going to finish it. God's going to wrap it up. I was in a, I've told you this before. I was in a funeral just a week or so, a week ago. And one of the things that I, I mentioned, uh, was that God starts the first chapter, but He also ends the final chapter. You and I write everything in between. He'd love to be involved in that authorship, by the way. He'd like to write with you. But all of us here, our chapter will be, be finished by God. Gildner Radner wrote a little book called um, It's Always Something about her life and her and she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer too late to be cured. And she's writing this book and I'm reading it and then all of a sudden it just abruptly stops in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of a page. And then turn the page and it's uh, her husband, Gene Wilder, writing, saying, Gilda passed away and I'm finishing the book for her. See, somebody else is going to finish your chapter. It's going to be God Himself. You're not going to be all there. You're going, you know, even the best of us, we're not going to be like Christ wants to be. But bear in mind, let this give you some hope. You might fall short, but God's going to make up for all of that. There's a day He's going to make up for all of that. And He'll finish your story. What will the chapter be? Well, how, how will this last chapter be in your life? With the time you have left, will it be about leaving home or going home, is what I said in that funeral. Is it going to be just about this earth, or is it going to be about something far more and going to be with God? Will this chapter be about I'm kind of like Christ or I'm completely like Christ? First John, it says this, Beloved, you are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. And we do know that when it's finally made visible, we will be just like Him, for we will see Him as He truly is. What you don't finish in your lifetime, God will finish. In this race, you struggle. We struggle. Maybe you've stumbled. Maybe you've just taken yourself out for a little bit. I listen to people say, I'm going to back off for a while. God doesn't stop calling because you back off for a while. God doesn't stop calling because you want to quit or you go down the side street somewhere and get off His path. And maybe in this race, that's what's happened. Maybe you've struggled so much, you've kind of sat on your hands, you're kind of quitting. You've stumbled somewhere. I want to encourage you to know something. Your race is not over. I want to encourage you to get back up. To get back in this race. There's more for you to become. God is cheering. Your team is cheering. All of heaven is cheering. 
So what will you do? What will you do with this call? You've got a card in your bulletin and if you've got a prayer request, you can write out a prayer request if you like or if you want to write out a decision you want to make today. Maybe there's a decision to make. I need to... I need to take some steps, Tim, or or God, I need to take some steps, or I I just need to remember you're cheering me on. I need to get back up. I need to get back into what I've gotten out of, or I've quit, and it's time to start again. Start where you've stopped and keep going. Maybe it's i got to trim some stuff out of my life. I'm going to have to make some adjustments. I just need to do that. I need to get serious about that. Maybe it's a simple thing. I just need to get with Jesus. I just don't get with Him often. I need to get my focus back on Jesus. I don't know what it is, but you have an opportunity. We're going to sing a song while you fill out those cards. And then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards as well as our contribution. I just pray that, you know, today you will somehow be blessed by what's been said today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this morning, Lord, and thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the encouragement we get from it, Lord. Father, would You help us today to look deep inside our hearts? Look with us. What do You want us to change? What do You want us to do? Some of us here, Father, are discouraged. We're weary. Would You strengthen us, Father? With Your Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Give us a renewed determination, Father. I know some of us here, Father, we've been in this race and we're just running full steam ahead and we're pacing ourselves, Lord. We're not trying to overextend ourselves, Lord. Would you help us encourage another? Father, who's our team? Who are the team of people that you have around us to help us? Father, do we need a team? Do we need a crew? Would you give us the courage just to admit we need help and let someone couple of people help us run this marathon oh God help us become like your son Jesus let it be about that help us become like you like your son live his life and father whatever we don't get finished we pray you finish it we put it in your hands we pray in Christ's name amen